0: If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Highway to Health Podcast, hosted by Jeremy Quinby, provides guidance, quality resources, and inspiration for anyone seeking wellness in mind, body, and spirit. There's an episode that you should check out called The Value of Our Emotions, where Jeremy helps listeners understand the role emotions serve and what we can learn about our present state by staying attuned to them. Check out Highway to Health podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.
1: So you can live longer. That's not a value we totally resonate with. And this isn't just a Hawaiian thing. This is all families who are living with a little bit of hardship and poverty. The idea that I'm going to live longer, struggling for longer, is not necessarily a good selling point.
2: Hi, you're listening to Healthcare for Humans podcast, the podcast dedicated to educating you how to care for culturally diverse communities so you can be a better healer. This is about everything that you wish you knew to really care for the person in front of you, not just a body system. Let's learn together. This is part two of our conversation with Dr. Miley Tawali'i. About Native Hawaiians and Pacific Islanders. To hear the introduction to this topic and the full guest intro, please listen to the previous episode. Dr. Miley Tauatli'i is an assistant clinical investigator for Hawaii Permanente Medical Group. In part two of this conversation, we talk about understanding cultural values such as aloha and ha'aha'a, communicating about health in a way that matters to the patient bringing up the effect of land trauma in a patient encounter, and end the episode talking about the importance of respecting patient beliefs. Here's Dr. Miley Tawali'i again. Okay. And I think you mentioned a lot about culture just a second ago, about culture connecting to music. It's hard to distill culture of such a diverse population. There is the importance of land. I mentioned that already. And family, right?
1: Aina is family. So a lot of Pacific Mm -hmm. languages understand that family is land and land is family. And Aina is that which feeds you. The word Aina actually includes the word I, which is our word for nourishment.
2: Yeah. So that was one of them. And then other values, I think I sent this to you. Yep. It came out because different people have tried to capture this diversity into things that's understandable for folks in America, wherever they are. Aloha, malama, lokai, right? Those things came up. Maybe you can help me understand them. I don't even know if I said that right.
1: Yeah. We'll start with aloha. There's a misunderstanding about what the meaning of the word aloha is. Aloha Mm. doesn't mean hello or goodbye. It doesn't mean any of those things. Aloha is an exchange of a relationship between two people or many people. Alo is like face to face and ha is my breath of life. When I greet someone from a Hawaiian community, we will embrace each other and we will breathe. N- never good for COVID, but that's how a traditional greeting is done because it's an exchange of your life force and it's reciprocal. I give to you and an exchange you give to me. So aloha and the whole concept around aloha is about having uh, an exchange and a respect and a willingness to give as much as a willing to receive, and an understanding that both have to occur. And now that's a really important value. Like just that one alone is super valuable as a pearl to walk away as a provider. That we as healthcare providers have to be as willing to accept care for ourselves as much as we want to give it. So, Hawaiians, all Pacific people. We actually have a very profound respect for healers and not just our traditional healers, but our doctors, our coca are very respected in our community. People oftentimes will talk about distrust of the medical system. It's not the doctor who is the distrusting part. It's the system that may not work for us. But we have a huge profound respect for healers and healers give to us and that's an uncomfortable thing in our community to just have someone constantly giving to you. You want to give back to them. So I remember being with, with older folks who always want to take a gift to the doctor or to the, the teller at the bank machine, the behind the counter, because someone's helping you, you want to help back. So for mm-hmm. providers to understand that we see what you give us as help and, and as service and exchange, and it puts us a little bit off because we may not always be in a position to give back to our provider and our provider might not want us to give back, but that's an important balance. And so I think the pearl to walk away with that from a provider perspective is to think about how do you let your patient know that it's your joy to give that fulfills me as a provider to care for my patient. And that's the gift that I get as being a caregiver. So you don't have to give back to me. You can just take the medication and the advice and look after yourself because that's the greatest gift you can give back to me. And understanding that's something that is happening in the minds of Pacific people is we're indebted if we can't give back to you as a provider. So make the gift of health care be something that you want to give. And that I think would be a very... Good way to kind of balance that displacement that occurs when we can't give back to you as a person. So that occurs.
2: I, I just have to say, okay. I'm just so glad I got you on this podcast.
1: That was so good. <laughs> no, but really.
2: And because we're also in healthcare systems in the US, has become so transactional. Mm-hmm. We talk about people as customers and consumers, mm-hmm. and that makes the transaction feel like it's taking from me because mm-hmm. I'm providing a service. But also burning people out a mm-hmm. lot. This idea of like, wow, you actually care about me too. Just knowing that and <laughs> focusing on it's a joy to take care of you. This is not something I'm doing for the money or service. We're in this together, and I'm hoping yep. to support you in this healing. Yep. That that idea captured by aloha is yep. amazing. Okay, awesome. all right, Got keep that. going. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. One
1: that I think is really important within the healthcare provider space is ha ha ha! is like humility. We are taught as island people to be very humble, just very respectful of our energy, of our space and how we interact with other people. So being humble isn't about being weak. It's about being respectful. And respect is really, really important. And so just a couple of thoughts about conversations I've had with providers. I've had a provider talk about how the parent of one of her, she was a pediatrician and she was seeing a patient and the parent was like like almost aggressive. I want to say almost, but the parent was just like, don't talk back to the doctor like that. And almost like thinking it was a child abuse setting. But what it really comes down to is we teach our children to pay incredible amount of respects to doctors, to police. Respect is a reflection of us as parents. It's super disrespectful if our children are not respectful. And so for a provider to understand that that respect and that humility is really a cultural value and to just understand that a parent is not necessarily abusive if they are trying to get their child to respect the caregiver the doctor, Ooh. provider. And so to just understand that this is a cultural value of humility and of respect, that's a huge part of who we are as a people. Pacific people are very proud and respect is a huge part of who we are as a people. So I'm an important concept. This idea Wait. of malama, of lokahi, I think ties back to aloha really well kahi is like a sense of unity or unification it's a one voice together is unified we talk a lot about this with covid and just how important being one solid community working together to stop the spread of illness to make we wear masks for our family for our community those values around caring for others, even if it's uncomfortable to wear a mask, even it's uncomfortable, you don't really want to get an immunization. You're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for your community. And those are values that are really just this idea that we are in this together resonates very well with our people. And so thinking about ways that you think about interventions, I always think about diabetes. We offer diabetes education to the individual who has diabetes. But in a Pacific Islander family, the person who has diabetes may not necessarily be the person cooking the food. So just educating the patient who isn't the food preparer actually makes things worse in some ways, because now I know I'm not supposed to eat this food. And I don't want to be disrespectful. My my wife or my grandmother, whoever's in the home is the food preparer. And they didn't go to the diabetes class, so they don't know I'm not allowed to eat that anymore. But you don't want to be rude or disrespectful. That respect is a really important thing. I recommend that we talk to entire families when it comes to talking about food decision making and meal changes because everyone in that house eats together, who celebrates just a daily meal, it's not one-off individual who's going to be making food decisions. We make decisions as a family as to what's going to be eaten. So if we're really going to affect dietary changes, we have to do it for the entire family. And they have to do it because out of love, they will. And if this change that we all are going to have to do in order to take care of our loved one, we will make this change collectively as a whole family for that person. And that's why that lokahi, that togetherness that we work as a team, we as healthcare providers have to think about the advice that we're giving to a patient it needs to be team-focused for the whole family because an individual is not an individual on in a Pacific Islander family.
2: You really need like family visits, especially for new diagnosis, education. And the other thing that stood out to me was that we often make health the end goal. Like you should do this because you'll be healthy. That's it. You're like, okay. (laughs) And it's not convincing enough. (laughs) We're like, we want you to be healthy for your family. So you can enjoy all these times with your family, have more energy, live longer. Like this idea of why do we focus on being healthy? Taking that next step and connecting to what matters to the patient rather than just saying, You should do this because it's a healthy thing.
1: Right. And then so you can live longer. That's not a value we totally resonate with. And this isn't just a Hawaiian thing. This is all families who are living with a little bit of hardship and poverty. The idea that I'm going to live longer, struggling for longer, is not necessarily a good selling point. But talking about the ability to transfer the legacy of your life to another younger member of the family... So being around to ensure that they can take the knowledge that you have and do better and grow the family and grow the wisdom, that puts less on the timeline of how long I'm going to have to do this (laughs) and more about the quality of the message so that my next generations to come will do better than me. Because that resonates with us. That's why the other aspect of family visits is important, because not only do you get the entire family involved in the care team, you get some of those young boys who think they're going to live forever to think, maybe I don't want to do dialysis. Like, maybe I should hold back on the rice because I'm hearing them tell me that could be a big problem for me. And maybe it can serve as part of that prevention if we involve the whole family, because nobody really wants to go to dialysis three times a week. That's not anything anybody wants to sign up for. And those young kids who are oftentimes the ones driving their elders to those appointments, letting them know that there's a way to avoid that, that it's not inevitable, that diabetes is not a given, and that Mm -hmm. it is not in our anthropological record at all. We didn't have diabetes. It's not a curse that we have to live with.
2: Yeah, and I think that hope that it doesn't have to be this way, as you're saying, like not everybody has to get dialysis. I wonder if that's linked to also this idea of cultural, historical trauma. Because the Laka'i triangle, I think part of it is making sure you talk about the physical, the mental, and the spiritual. When we talk about diabetes, we just talk about the physical. Mm -hmm. But I think there's probably the mental and the spiritual aspect that we never touch upon.
1: So this idea that there's something not right in the system. And that's what causes diabetes. That's part of the spiritual, like I talked about with the access to kalo or traditional foods, as well as that mental of just missing the goodness of home in a bite. And so the diabetes is the result of a disconnect from the land and our culture and our way of life. And now in Washington state, how do you reconnect to that? And I think when you think about, okay, how as a provider do I talk about all three aspects with a patient? Here's why you have diabetes physically. Here's what's happening in your body. But the mental and the spiritual aspect of it is, I know you're away from home. I know you're away from the things that heal you. So how are you as a patient? And it could be a question that each individual patient has to think about. like. How do I connect to the things that I'm missing in the spiritual and mental aspect of trying to heal? And not everybody has the ability to get back on a plane and go home. So Lake Washington is not exactly the Pacific Ocean, (laughs) but putting your toes in the water, it's asking people what they used to do as a child to connect and what can you do today like that. But, you know, thinking about how would you heal if you were back in the islands and can you do that here?
2: I think you mentioned music earlier. Anything else?
1: There are some amazing festivals that happen in Seattle, in the Washington mm-hmm. area. Folk Life Festival, which happens in May. Tell your patients, go to these things. Even if it seems like, oh, humbug, I don't want to go to these things. They will... Be healed by being surrounded by other people who are just celebrating what it means to be a Pacific person wherever they are. When you're talking to your patients, like find ways. Do you know about these events? Do you go to these events? There's civic clubs, which are basically like community organizations that were set up actually by a Hawaiian royalty that are in Washington State. There's a Washington Civic Club for the Hawaiian community, for the Sam Juan community, big part of it is church. But I think as a provider asking. Do you know how to connect? How are you fulfilling your need to still stay connected to your culture, especially this last couple of years with COVID where we did way too much social isolation? I still think that we did a disservice to the world by saying to socially distance when it's really physically distance yourself from people. But don't socially distance from anyone ever. That's never a good thing. And so really just reminding patients that the celebration of Pacific cultures is happening all over the country. In Washington is a place where these things are happening and have been happening for years. Go to them because you'll see your people just connect back to the music and the sounds and the laughter and the joy and every provider should ask their patient, are you connecting to the things that are important to you? As a Hawaiian, I've, I dance hula. I danced hula when I was in Seattle too. There are halal, there are all sorts of things that connect people to each other and to culture. And people should embrace all those things, not mm-hmm. just as a way to stay fit. We don't dance hula to stay fit. We try to stay fit so we can dance hula. That's, and that's such a great, prevention conversation exercise so you can practice your culture and stay in shape so you can celebrate all those things because people will say oh i can't dance anymore because of my knees how do we get your knees in better shape so you can do it and that's the driving force our culture isn't a tool but it's what we want to work towards so that we can celebrate it so
2: what a beautiful way to frame it I think the other question was the cultural historical trauma. Is there a way to bring that up or acknowledge it even as providers or clinicians because it's also hard to it's hard to heal from it.
1: Yeah. I, I when I've talked to providers about this especially here in Hawaii, I had a provider once say to me, "So, I have a patient coming in the next 15 minutes. Should I ask him about the overthrow and if the overthrow has impacted their diabetes?" And I was like, oh. That wasn't exactly what I meant. They were like, what do I say? What are the words that come out of my mouth for me to recognize that I get that there's something Mm -hmm. that's happened in the past? And how does that affect you today? One of the examples that I gave to this provider, this was during the time that there was and still is a threat of the destruction of one of our mountains, Mauna Kea, the building of the 30 meter telescope. And we were fighting and still are fighting to prevent the destruction of sacred lands. So at the time Mm -hmm. that this was happening, I told this provider, you could say something like this. You could say, hey, Mr. Kanako'ole, I hear there's a lot of stuff going on in the land fights back home in Hawaii. Is any of that bothering you? And if the patient might say something like, nah, I don't care about that stuff. That doesn't affect me. Or they might say, actually... I can't sleep at night because I think about what's happening back home in the islands. This recognizing that there is something that could be bothering, honoring the fact that culture and connection to land could be causing some distress. And I think when I was trying to help this provider think about how to connect, was just a recognition that these things could be impacting someone's health. Even though a lot of times as healthcare providers, we're trained to think about the body itself and not necessarily the mental health, but recognizing that land trauma affects physical health mm-hmm. and that we get that. And I know a lot of my providers would be like, look, I have 15 minutes. Do I really want to bring up the overthrow? So I think in Washington state, some of the things that I would recommend is just be like, hey, when was the last time you were home? And does that being away from home, how does that affect your health? What do you miss the most about it? And have you found ways to heal some of the pain that you feel because you miss the islands. Because I can guarantee you every single island person that is seen in a clinic is missing home in some way or another. And it could be a second generation who's never even been home and, and is ashamed of not having connection to their land. But there's a loss there. We have so much love for our lands that when we aren't connected to them, it, it can cause just as much harm as losing someone. So
2: Yeah, that's a powerful thing. And something I think definitely warrants at least acknowledging, no matter how much time you have, it's such an important part of somebody's mental health and experience. Absolutely. Okay. The next topic is about any healing practices that we should be aware of, any ceremonies and rituals, herbs, plant-based healing, prayers, massage.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. This isn't a pan-Pacific, one-size-fits-all kind of response. Each island tradition will have different ways that they practice traditional healing, and it'll be a generation thing. If they were raised away from the islands, may not have ever really been in contact with a lot of that healing. I think what I would recommend for providers to understand and recognize is that there is a possibility that patients want to self-medicate with traditional plants. I think a good conversation starter is, is there anything in your culture that you're taking that you think is helping and I should know about so that I can make sure that whatever I'm going to prescribe won't interact with it in a way that is harmful and hurtful. And that's one of the things like for us, we use turmeric a lot. Olena is what we call it. It's a great anti-inflammatory And I've had amazing docs here who have said, you can take some Advil for the pain and the swelling, or you can take Olena, especially if I'm trying to help a child with an injury, I might prefer to give that child an Olena tea versus a big dose of Advil or ibuprofen. So just that recognition that it could happen, it might be happening, and that I understand that you value that so that I don't disregard it as, oh, that stuff's hocus pocus, because that's the first way you get a patient to be like, I'll never tell you anything that I'm taking now. But to honor the fact that we know that it might be happening and it might be really important for you to incorporate it. And do you want me to know about any of it so that I can make sure that what I give you doesn't interact with it in a way that hurts you? I think that's like the first place to start. Is that honoring of the fact that I'm going to do it whether or not I tell you about it or not. So have me tell you and build that trust. It's probably the best way to approach it. As far as what traditions we celebrate, it's not as common, I think, in Washington state as it might mm-hmm. be here in Hawaii. Because here in Hawaii, we have a lot of practitioners who are teaching and accessing our plants and our traditional processes a lot more. So folks in Washington state may not necessarily have access to practitioners. So it might be more like home healing remedies that they use or or traditions. Like we have Lomi, which is massage. It's a very vigorous massage style. And I think what providers might just take away from something like that, is the idea that hands heal and touches can be very healing. It's never good for a provider to flip through a pamphlet on Hawaiian medicine and just, you should try Lomi Lomi and never get it. <laughs> My hesitation with providers learning about some of our practices without fully learning about our practices, that it should be more of a, I respect that these are things you might be using and we know they can touch is really good and can be really helpful. So if you're doing those things, I get that's important and I I celebrate that with you. And if you have access to that, then lucky you because this stuff is good. That kind of respecting what folks are taking and what they're doing, I think it's just really important to have that open relationship between a provider and a patient.
2: Yeah, that's a good summary. Okay, last question. Sure. What does it mean to be fully seen by a provider for you And do you have a good example of that?
1: Fully seen by a provider. I have an example. Yeah. And it's one of your your docs, Mark Cook.
2: He's going to love it.
1: Oh, yeah. Mark, when I delivered or had my second child, Mark was caring for me. And I told him I really wanted to deliver my baby in a traditional way in Hawaii. And he's (laughs) like, what does that involve? I said, well, we would have to go to a place that is known for birthing. And his thing was, oh yeah, let's go. And he was just, so let's, I, he, it was just. it wasn't like he was, I knew he wasn't really coming with me to Hawaii to give birth to my child in the woods. But he understood that was something that was really important to mm-hmm. me. He was funny and he was understanding and he made me feel like he was game. But then he reminded me that, I do have some medical issues and that it might be best to not try to get on a plane last minute to fly out to Hawaii to give birth in the woods. Not that he was against it. It just for my own personal health might be safer if we were to go ahead and have that baby in a Kaiser facility. But it was that fully seen like he, he didn't laugh at me that I wanted to do that. He was incorporating his own traditions. He was going to have a Mai Tai on the beach after. But he got that it was important to me and he didn't make me feel like my desire to want to do that was silly or stupid. And so I think that's really important that whatever request that a patient says, I'd really like to do this, to not necessarily go, oh, that's just stupid. Don't do that. (laughs) But to be like, let me understand a little bit more about why you want to do that. And just that understanding that a provider even if they aren't from your culture, even if they don't understand it, to be willing to want to learn and ask Mm. about it and be interested. That's, I think, what it means to be fully seen. And that applies not just for Native Hawaiians and Pacific Islanders, but for any. Your patients want to know that you listen and you understand it's important and you want to make sure that you can do everything you in your power To honor and recognize that's something that a patient might want or need for them to be healthy. Even if you can't do it, I think provides that I see you, I see that it's important. I can't participate in that, but I can participate if we do it here in this way. All of our patients just want that. All of us want that. Even as providers, we want to be heard and seen and respected. And to know that our desires for our own wellness and what we need in order to be productive and helpful and useful and loved and to love others, is we need to feel good in our skin and feel safe and being able to talk to people about our care needs.
2: That was great. I great. feel like I need to give you a bigger platform. I honestly don't know. <laughs> there were so many good parts to this podcast. I don't know what the hook's going to be. I'm stressed out about it. but. Thank you so much joining, oh, yeah. for joining us, Miley. I told you when I started all I heard when I mentioned your name to the folks were, you were cool.
1: You are cool. <laughs> I You well, we should come out to Hawaii, Raj. I have a 20-acre farm where I grow all these traditional foods. Oh. On land.
2: Thanks for joining me, Raj Sundar, in another episode of the Healthcare for Humans podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support this work, please share it with others and leave a review show notes can be found over at healthcareforhumans.org. Feel free to contact me through the website for feedback and show ideas, or email me at healthcareforhumans at yahoo.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. This podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not represent any of the participants past, current, or future employers unless explicitly expressed as so. Always seek advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with regards to your own personal questions about medical conditions you may be experiencing. This Healthcare for Humans project is based on Duwamish land and makes a regular commitment to real rent Duwamish.
0: If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Highway to Health podcast, hosted by Jeremy Quinby, provides guidance, quality resources, and inspiration for anyone seeking wellness in mind, body, and spirit. There's an episode that you should check out called The Value of Our Emotions, where Jeremy helps listeners understand the role emotions serve and what we can learn about our present state by staying attuned to them. Check out Highway to Health podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.